welcome back to the latest episode of the Master None Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Murphy, as always. Uh, I'm joined here by uh, two of Sports News Ireland's finest, uh, Joe and Shane Ty, obviously from uh, the website Sports News Ireland. So, lads, thanks very much for joining us. Um, hope you're doing well. Joe, how are you? Great, Steve. Good, good, good. Uh, looking forward to some rugby coming back this weekend. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, no while. Shane, how are you? Are you excited as well about rugby being back, about Irish rugby for once? Absolutely, it's uh, it's been a long, long break since uh, we hit a bit of live action. So mm. even though we won't be there in the stadium ourselves, we're looking forward to it resuming. It's been five months, I think, roughly, since the last yeah, competitive game, which is uh, an awful long uh, break. But uh, as you touched there, Shane, as well, like the fact that you know no one's actually I think what's two hundred limit for an actual stadium, but that includes players like staff. I think what Air TV have thirty people working on it, which apparently for a production is very small. Uh, I heard like BT Sport normally for a European game would have around 70 to 80 people. So it'd be interesting to see how they uh, pull that off. But um, uh, just before we get a, get a preview of the games, how do we think the lack of a crowd will impact this? We've seen it a little bit with Super Rugby AU uh, and the last game of Super Rugby Arturoa, but do you think teams will be put off by this, Shane? Well, I was listening to uh, Dan... McFarland's press conference for Ulster during the week and he was talking about that and he was saying they basically have been training in Ravenhill to basically get the sensation of being a large cavernous stadium in preparation for the two matches in the Aviva. There's two ways of looking upon it. I mean for new players starting off they are not going to be put off by you know the pressure of playing in front of a large crowd. It's also a fantastic opportunity for a lot of these Connacht lads they won't have played in uh, the Aviva Stadium before. I think I read a stat that it was the mid-80s since the last time Connacht played a game in what was the old Lansdowne Road. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a brilliant opportunity for some of these guys. Yeah, what do you think, Joe? That's quite the stat. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you'd have, you'd have, well, I suppose, what would they have played? They possibly could have played a Pro 14 or Pro 12 semi-final or quarter-final. But outside that, yeah, there wasn't going to be much else they were going to play, was there? No. Um, no. I, yeah, I think... They're gonna they're gonna put in some crowd noise. I heard um, John Cooney on about that, um, which will be a bit strange. It's gonna I don't know lack of intensity is gonna be a big issue. I think like yeah. the likes of Connacht are going back for two games and then they're gonna have a big break again. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. with not a huge amount to play for. Like yeah, I think we've seen as well in the first kind of game of the Guinness there Premiership and then the first kind of games of the Super Rugby as well. The first game tends to be sloppy. It tends to be a lot of break and play, a lot of penalties, just sort of getting back into the rhythm of things. So I'm hoping we don't get that this weekend because we do have two cracking games. It should be competitive games. So I'm hoping we don't get that as well. And and just as well to touch on, I think the you know I think the IRFU have done a pretty good job COVID wise. I think as we said, only one positive test so far, which was a a Munster Academy player, and that really only impacted one senior player. So overall, compared to you know some other sports, I think. Credit, credit where credit is due the IRFU have done a pretty good job so let's hope that um, isn't I hope that continues and we don't get any positive cases but yeah we're going to preview the two kind of uh, obviously the two province games uh, this weekend we've Leinster Munster on Saturday evening and then Sunday we have uh, Ulster Connacht uh, a boat in the Aviva but we'll start quickly with the Leinster Munster game and unfortunately I think we have to start with a pretty uh, was pretty sad news on I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday morning but Joey Carberry uh, is out again and it looks like he'll be out for another uh, prolonged period with his ankle injury. Um, Shane, I can only imagine for a young, promising and a, a young, brilliant player like Joey Carberry is, 
this has to be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it's a terrible setback for him. And I mean, unfortunately, he runs the risk of being labelled injury prone because he was only recovering from one injury and yet another setback. I mean, I was watching a, a rerun there during lockdown of the Chicago game. That was November 18. He was the great white hope. And, you know, he's developed reasonably well and shown glimpses of what he's capable of. But unfortunately, until he gets on the pitch on a regular basis, it's hard to, to see where his development is going to go. Do you think it is an injury-prone thing or has he just been incredibly unlucky? I think, unfortunately, certain players have a higher injury profile than others. And I know clubs now are looking at minutes players are spending on the pitch, which is a factor when they're deciding contracts. So, you know, until he gets on the pitch and proves what he can do, it's going to count against him. Yeah, I agree. Joe, Munster yeah. have been incredibly good with Joey Carberry so far. They've been very patient with him. How long do we see that continuing or will it get to a stage where if it keeps happening, they're going to become frustrated themselves? I think it, it was a good idea for them not to put a timeline on it this time. You know, just to, to, to let him have his chance to recover. Because when you start putting dates like January, February, December, um, he's just been injured too much now. Whether he should have went to the World Cup last year is still debatable. You know, maybe he shouldn't have went. Maybe they should have left him at home and and, and, and given him more time. Um, look, it's not the end of Carberry. He'll be back at some stage, you'd imagine, in January, February. Um, because if it was any less than two or three months, they possibly may have announced it. Um, look, Munster are going to have to start depending on more on their academy. They're, they, they're bringing in players all the time. Look, it's fantastic. It's lovely. But, you know, there's likes of Craig Casey there. He'd probably get a run, maybe. Um, with co- substituting for Conor Murray. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of players there that they have to start using, you know. Um, I think it can't be a situation where bringing lads down from Leinster, bringing South Africans in, they're going to have to actually start trusting in their academy. Yeah, I agree. You're never, you're never going to know until you actually play them, so I agree. Um, a small silver lining of this Carberry news is I, I was fearing that they would have rushed him back for possibly the last two Six Nation games and then possibly that fairly pointless eight-team tournament that Ireland was going to be in you know, with Fiji and Japan. Um, so in a way, at least when he does come back, hopefully he will be coming back completely healthy uh, because I think you know we need Joey Carberry to be back healthy to really be as good as we can be. But we'll see. Look, it gives opportunities for the other lads to uh, rise up and maybe play, you know, um, raise their stake for the, for the jersey. So we'll see. Uh, Will they sign someone else? No. Will they bring in somebody? Um, I don't know, Shane. What do you think? Well, given the profile of their, their signings already, I don't think they'll uh, have that, that extra money to spend. Having said that, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about uh, from, from a Munster perspective. They have four games left in their season to potentially win a trophy. Now, this is a Munster team that haven't won a trophy in nine years. So, obviously, the high-profile signings of uh, Damien Dialande and R.G. Snyman have got everybody excited. But one that kind of snuck under the radar was Matt Gallagher coming in from Saracens. Uh, Gallagher's an interesting case, actually. He's, uh, he played under 20 for England. His dad, of course, is John Gallagher that won an 87 World Cup with the All Blacks. But John Gallagher, his dad, his parents were from Limerick and from Derry. So, Matt can be Irish qualified. So... It's an interesting signing, um, one that kind of slipped under the radar with the two South Africans coming in. And, uh, Apart from that, they've promoted a few guys from their academy. Um, and as Joe mentioned, you've 
guys there like Craig Casey hoping to make an impact. I agree. I think quite a possibly exciting back trio. You've got Conway Earls and Matt Gallagher. I think definitely the two signings, as you said, with the, the two South Africans have made the highlights. But I think this is a really good opportunity for Munster to, as you said, it's been a long time without trophies. You know, they've been in positions, they've got the semi-finals, but they just haven't kind of got past that glass ceiling. And this is an opportunity now, because we don't know, five months off, I know it's Leinster and they're a robot at this at this stage, but it's not easy to take five months off and come back. Like Before the break, Leinster were the best team in the world, you know, more than likely. But do we think this five-month gap might have made them a bit more vulnerable? No. <laughs> am I just am I just being hopeful here? <laughs> I'll keep it short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Okay. Leinster are different, different gravy. Um, they could play. They could take fifteen players out, and they'd still probably be favourites in the betting to be Munster next week. Yeah. This weekend, you know, like they've got a squad that's just crazy, um, and supposedly their fitness has been just amazing they've done really well they've done a fantastic couple of weeks um all their time speeds uh lifting bench lifting everything is supposed to be way up well we've seen so, we've seen sexton uh obviously on the protein over the the break because that picture that went a bit viral when he came back with the in the in the tank top he was looking massive so we don't know we could see a new uh refreshed johnny sexton who knows um shane what do you think any chance that if I can cross codes for a minute, and uh, one of the few live sporting occasions I've been at in the last few weeks was uh, Curfin against Uthrard in the uh, Galway County Championship. Now, Curfin, like Leinster, are a machine. They've been on the go for a good few years at the latter end of club championships, club All-Ireland. And people thought they might be rusty coming back in against Curfin. Similar to Leinster, the great teams are ruthless. They just took up where they left off. The rest did them good and they were rare to go. It can be the same. I can see the exact same ha- thing happening with Leinster. There's such a competition for places that whoever gets the start in Jersey on Saturday evening will have a point to prove. And I can see these guys hit the ground running. So, so no again was the answer to my question. <laughs> There's no. probably more. The Munster probably more. They, they really would want to win the following week. You know, I think the, this week would be okay. You know, the bookies make the handicap like 10. So expectations is something around that, you know. So I'd say if they get within seven, um, they'd be doing really well. Personally, I think Leinster probably win by about 21, 22. Oh, wow. Okay, we'll see. I don't know. I've, I've more faith in Munster, I think, than Buddy is, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> Leinster have, of course, a few injuries of themselves. Fergus McFadden's out for six weeks with a calf injury. Uh, Conor O'Brien is out for a few months with a hamstring uh, no updates really on uh, James Ryan, obviously the big one with his uh, shoulder. Uh, but Dan Levy seems to be very close to returning, which is obviously a great boost for the club and for the for the country. Uh, I don't think we can underestimate his impact to a team uh, coming back. But as you said, just the depth of squad is just ridiculous with that with Leinster. So they can just swap in, swap out. But we're speaking on Sexton, obviously there. What kind of a form are we expecting him to be in um, this weekend? Joe, what do you think? Um, I think the break will do him good. You know, I think he, it's probably the first time he's had a summer off that he wasn't injured since he was probably 17. You know, um, my expectations are that they're going to be just out the door like Greyhound. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be fantastic. I, I just, 
they're they're going to want to win. They're going to want to win this weekend. They'll win the following weekend. You know, they're going to keep it going. Um, like you said, they were the best team in the world pre-COVID. I don't see anything changing. What about you, Shane? Yeah, in relation to Sexton, um, look, I mean, he's proven time and time again when he's been written off that he's been able to come back. I think the only problem in the kind of medium to long term from an Irish point of view, we need to start looking at uh, his succession because Leinster themselves will be looking to give more game time to Kieran Frawley, to Ross Byrne, to Harry Byrne, because they'll be looking down the road going, right, Johnny might be good for, you know, X amount of minutes over the course of a season. So they need to give game time to the other three guys. So far, Ross Byrne is the front runner, but that's more or less on seniority rather than anything else. From what I hear anecdotally, they've great uh, hopes for Harry Byrne. Harry looked very good, under 20s, um, Leinster schools. Um, yeah, anybody that I talked to in Leinster um, for two years, three years now, I've been, you know, Raven always saying that, you know, whatever you think of Ross, Harry's going to be a, a better player. But again, he, he'll have to prove it on the pitch, won't he? But this you know? is the problem with Leinster is when I think the, we, the person who calls time on Johnny Sexton's career is going to be Johnny Sexton. I don't think he's going to surrender that jersey anytime soon. So is it a case of these boys get impatient and they look elsewhere? Or do they just kind of stay for the long haul and wait for Sexton to come to eventually retire when he's 45? <laughs> They'll probably, I imagine Harry will probably, you know, it wouldn't be a strange thing, I suppose, if Harry did went down to Munster. The Leinster fans would go crazy, but like, um, or like Shane said, like Shane said, like Shane said earlier, if they, after all the money they've spent on the South Africans, are they really going to get more cash to bring in somebody to back up the Joey Carberry injury? Uh, probably not. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to be anyone going in there now. Actually, speaking of uh, players going from Leinster to Munster, we, we kind of didn't really touch on uh, on uh, Salanoa, the Hawaiian prop that moved down. I know Leinster themselves were frustrated to lose him because they had already agreed a deal to send uh, Jack Anger down to Connacht. So they kind of if all of a sudden they dropped two props in the space for a couple of weeks there. To Was there a bit of a mistake there, Shane, with the contracts and signing contracts and not signing contracts? I think there was a few rumours around anyway that the intention wasn't to lose both of them, um, but they've lost both of them now anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's, I know anecdotally uh, he had been going well and they were surprised when he moved to Munster. So uh, Munster may have got a good sign in there as well. It's one to keep an eye on. I don't think too many people are going to feel sorry for Leinster, shockingly enough, uh, to lose a player or two. But um, we've, we touched on Sexton, who's obviously come under a lot of fire, especially in the green jersey the last few years. Uh, on the Munster side, obviously, we have Conor Murray as well, who's come under a lot of fire from the pressure of John Cooney. Um, what kind of former, again, are we expecting to see from him? Because this time off should have done him the world of good, especially, you know, he's 31 now, but that shoulder injury was clearly never really healed this five months off surely has him coming back in great form too, Shane. What do you think? Yeah, it's he just hasn't looked the same player he was prior to that injury. Um, and I know before the World Cup, he was been interviewed and saying he was in great form and raring to go, but it didn't quite materialise. And I, you know, I thought maybe in the Japanese game, the senior players kind of didn't step up when they were been put under severe pressure. And I mean. 
they start, Ireland started well in that game and then they seemed to have a lack of leadership when Japan started to turn the screw. And I mean, Conor Murray and Rob Kearney and the, the senior players on the pitch, they're the ones, the younger guys like Jack Harty was an inexperienced out half of 10 beside Murray. And I was looking for Murray's leadership in that game and it just didn't seem to be there, you know? And that'd be a worry for me. Yeah. It's been a long time since he's played to his potential. Like he played maybe one game, was it Six Nations game last year, that he was okay. Um, but yeah, Conor Murray is is in is in trouble. Like, you know, he. let's hope he comes back. Let's hope he comes back to as good as he was. Because if he does, it'll be amazing for Ireland. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'd be very worried that maybe the Conor Murray that we're expecting isn't the Conor Murray anymore. Maybe the Conor Murray that we're, that we're going to see is that Conor Murray that's just not at that 100%. Maybe it's a 90% Conor Murray. Yeah, I think, and we look at, uh, on this podcast as well, the last year we kind of were saying, you know, John Cooney should start. And again, it's not an anti Connie Murray thing. It's just a case of, you know, you need to pick on form. And Cooney was the best player in Europe, you know, before all this sort of happened. He was, you know, an amazing form. And what we thought was bad about the whole selection was it set a bad precedent that Murray basically was no matter how bad he played or how good Conor or John Cooney played it was still his jersey so we didn't like that but again we as, as, as you said Joe all of us want the best Conor Murray that we can get because at his peak and at his peak back in 2016-2017 he was one of the best scrum halves in the world he was up there with your Aaron Smiths and your TJ Paranaras but that hasn't happened for quite some time now. So maybe we'll see. Look, at this break might have been the break he needed at, his, at this time of his career. But uh, again, I think I'm with you a bit. We're sceptical until we see it. But who knows? Craig Casey looks like a good player, though, now. Yeah. He, could be, he could be, you know, if Munster trust him, um, a bit of competition helps too, you know. You can see with, in Connacht with Caelan Blake and Kieran Marmion, you know. Yeah. These things, you know, it can help. Um, yeah, look, let's hope Conor Murray comes back. Um but I don't think so. I don't think he's going to... I don't think we're going to see 2016 Conor Murray. But look, 2018, 2019 Conor Murray isn't too bad either. No, it's true. Uh, before we leave this kind of game, I just want to again touch on the two South African signings, uh, Shane. Just how good are these guys? Because again, we've seen Snyman. He was mainly a sub in the World Cup and then we see him in Japan. The highlights where, you know, it's tough to tell the actual quality of the rugby over there compared to, say, the Pro 14 or, or the European Cup. Just how good do you think these guys actually are? Well, look, the first thing they're going to bring to that monster squad is they're going to bring the ability to know what it's like to win medals. I mean, as I touched upon, Keith Earls and Conor Murray are the only guys in that monster squad that were there when they last won. And was Murray even in there, just starting off in 2011 when I they won the he won, Magners? He was on the Magners League team, yeah, he was, I think. You know, that, that's two, they're two senior guys in the squad, so they have two World Cup winners coming into that team which, first of all, gives them belief uh, in the ability to win medals and win honours. Uh, Snyman, because he was on the bench for a lot of the games, is underrated. He is a beast. He's a huge, huge physical specimen. He's going to give them great bulk. I know uh, Ty Burns injured at the moment, but once they get the two of them together, that's a lot of physicality they'll have there in the second row. But he also has good hands for a big man and... He has, has know-how in the dark arts of the game as well, which is always the, the monster way. Um, and then Dialenda is a, a superb footballer, absolutely fantastic footballer. So in the middle of the park, he'll add a new dimension to, to Munster. 
Yeah, you, you don't want to see a midfield partnership of uh, Dale Landa and Chris Farrell uh, coming at you, that's for sure, or trying to attack them either. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go on then to the game on Sunday. It's Ulster versus Connacht. Um, obviously, again, there's a lot of uh, interesting storylines with this. Um, no more so than, I think, the, own, the Ulster number 10 battle with Ian Madigan coming across, back from across the, the channel to uh, from Bristol. Um, Madigan against uh, Burns for the number 10 jersey. Joe, at the moment, who do you think has the preference? Um, I was listening to Cooney on a podcast um, and off the ball, uh, was it last night? Um, well, he gave the indication that he was definitely going to be kicking anyway. And that unless he did something terrible for the next three weeks, that that was the current situation. Um, I'd be surprised if Madigan starts. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I'd be surprised. I think Burns probably going to play. Um, Madigan will come on after whatever, 55, 60 minutes. Um, yeah, the kicking thing will be interesting there. Like Madigan's a good kicker, um, but having Cooney there is uh, exceptional. You know, like he's, he's, his stats are just fantastic. He's, you know, it was interesting listening to him because he talked a lot about the fact that, you know, he doesn't overthink it. You know, he, he's not like a golfer that like wants a lot of training and you know what I mean for his swing or whatever. He, he just goes up, gets in the mindset, kicks the ball. Um, like I said, he was only, it was just pure fluke he ever kicked the ball really at all. There was, Carty was out injured. There was another kind of player out injured. He said himself and Marmion and Tierney Halloran walked up to uh, do a bit of kicking because they had some, they needed someone to go to Grenoble. And uh, the two boys had hamstring issues and Cooney kicked and that's the story now, you know. It's, it's yeah. Um, yeah, what do you think, Shane, then, in that, in that spot? What kind of Ian Madigan do you think we're getting? You know what? I would be sceptical about Ian Madigan, uh, to be quite honest, because if you look at the game time he got in Bristol, Colm Sheedy was the, the incumbent in the 10 jersey, and Madigan was a backup 90% of the time over the last, uh, since the start of this season. Now, I know in Bristol Bears, they want to bring their own products through uh, in the club as well as their big name signings. Madigan, basically, um, from what I believe in Bristol, they needed to get his wage uh, wages off the, the balance sheet to bring in new players. And because he wasn't getting the game time ahead of Sheedy, uh, he was obviously making way. And his time in France wasn't a complete success either. So the jury's out for me on Madigan. Um, he still has to prove himself. And I can't see Dan McFarlane breaking up the pairing of Cooney and Burns uh, for the sake of facilitating Madigan. So Madigan will have to play his way into the side. Yeah, I agree. I I'd agree, Shane. Yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that too. I think Burns is a fantastic Robin to John Cooney's Batman. He, he's not going to demand too much. He's, you know, he's a, the perfect sidekick in that sense. This is Cooney's team. There's no doubt about it now. So let's try and keep, if I was Ulster, let's try and keep him happy. There's no no doubt that bringing on Madigan for the last 20 minutes is a fantastic advantage that a lot of provinces won't have. Um, and also the scrum half, they signed from Munster, I can't think of his name now, the South African. Madigan. Yeah, exactly. So if you're bringing on Madigan and him to close out your games, that's not a bad situation to be in if you're Ulster. Uh, but yeah, I, they don't want to, you know, they start Madigan, he's a bad day, you know. Fans are lovely at times, but yeah. they, they won't be they won't be ecstatic about another Leinster lad um, if he plays bad, you know. Exactly. Um, now, if he comes on with twenty minutes to go, look, 
the game is going to be in the melting pot, hopefully, from a kind of point of view at that stage. Um, yeah, Madigan's going to be very important. And let's let's see what he's made of. Like Shane said, you know, it'll be interesting with the jury out in him, really. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, another tasty battle again on this is uh, Cooney versus Marmion battle at scrum half. Um, we know, obviously, what Cooney can do. But Marmion has had a tough sort of year, obviously, not going to the World Cup. Uh, was tough, um, and he sort of has fell into uh, the oblivion when it comes to Irish selection. But uh, with Murray, obviously, I'm you know skeptical at that. Uh, Cooney obviously is there or thereabouts. But where do we see Marmion when it comes to the scrum half uh, green jersey? Shane, what do you think? Well, the break came at a bad time for Marmion. He was just kind of getting momentum again uh, before uh, it's the uh, rugby stopped at the end of February, start of March. Um, Caelan Blade had been the incumbent at the start of the season and Marmin had just been getting back into his stride. Marmin's a superb player. I mean, a lot of people forget he was uh, the scrum half when Ireland bet New Zealand in the Aviva in November uh, the previous year. So, look, I mean, he's a, he's a superb player. He's shown what he can do. And he kept John Cooney out of the Connacht team for three years. So, Con Cooney only got the chance to develop when he went up to Ulster. So there's, I'd imagine there's quite a good friendly rivalry between the two guys. Yeah, I think, I think, I got to say, I was totally shocked that Kieran didn't go to the World Cup. Um, that game against Wales, he played fantastic. Um, played a lot, played a lot of game last year. Scored a lot of tries. Look, Kieran's top quality. Um, I think kind of were very lucky to keep him. To be fair, it, it sounded like he was probably going to go to Bristol or Saracens or, or someone like that. But then when the I suppose the player cap issue kind of kicked the English rugby. Uh, the, uh, that was never going to happen. So Connacht are lucky to have him. And I think Blade possibly might have a niggly injury at the moment. So, yeah, Marmy will probably start. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting himself against Cooney. Well, speaking of the Connacht team, obviously, I think these guys have provided a nice little uh, predicted sort of, um, of what the Connacht team will be. So I'll just pull that up now on the screen so obviously uh for the people listening on, on just audio you can check it out on the youtube uh channel but um i'm sharing this here on, on the screen predict the team versus uh versus ulster so kind of so shame do you want to talk us through do you think this is a strong connect team yeah so obviously look the front row is pretty much first choice dennis buckley dave heffern and finley Beelham. um big season for dave heffern and uh now like he had great momentum behind him he got into the extended Irish squads and with no obvious choice uh, for taking over from Rory Best uh, in the Irish shirt, it's a position that's wide open. Uh, within the Connick side, obviously there's great competition for that spot too with Shane Del Hunt and, and Tom McCartney. So with Tom due to leave, it creates opportunities, you know, uh, and it's up to Dave to nail down that jersey for himself. Second row then, obviously, uh, Quinn Roo is still recovering from a hand injury. The possibility he could be back by the following week. So Alton and Gavin then are obviously our, our strongest available pairing there. Um, Masterson, Boyle and Jared Butler. The back row is what I'd be worried about in terms of strength up against that Ulster side. Uh, the last two times we've played Ulster, uh, Marcel Coetzee has been a serious threat and we just haven't been able to match his ball carrying ability. So the back row, the conk back row looks light with Masterson, Boyle and Jared. 
apart from that, superb halfback pairing with Marmin and Carthy. Uh, it looks like due to injuries in the back three that we'll see debuts for both Alex Wooden and Peter Sullivan. Uh, John Porsche moved to fullback, but he's proved that he can play quite well there. He's done so effectively for Connacht in the past. And Bundy and Tom Farrell, superb centre pairing. Uh, Joe, yourself, are you happy with that team? Do you think it's strong or do you think it's uh, vulnerable? Yeah. Um, the, the story's going around. Yeah, there might be some injuries in the backs, maybe turning a Matt Healy of small niggles. Uh, that brings in Sullivan and Mutton, who both have played sevens. Porch has played sevens. Ben O'Donnell, we signed, has played sevens. Obviously, it's a it's a big trend with uh, Andy Friend. Um, yeah, look, John Porch is a nice player, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be I'd be a little bit worried about the two lads starting and John Porch. The three of them there, um, it would have been nice to have some some of the lads with a bit more experience, maybe. But the, the, as far as the forwards go, it's fantastic. That's that's probably we're not going to see much better than that all season, really. I would think. Yeah. I agree. Um, Jack Carthy, what kind of form do we think he's going to be in uh, with the with the return of the Pro Fourteen? Yeah, Jack. Look, with Madigan back, um, Burns, all the lads in in Leinster. It's hard to know where Jack sits at the moment. You know. Is he maybe fourth or fifth choice? Ireland ten. Um, yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. He, let's hope he, he stays fit and he plays well because it's not a position we're very strong in. In Connacht, there isn't. You know, I'd, I wouldn't mind Harry Burn down for a few months. You know, um, make a few calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll organise it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dane, what do you think? Um, I disagree, Joe. I think Jack could be higher up in the Irish pecking order. Um, if you look at it, he's the 110 in the country. It's pretty much guaranteed starting jersey every week. More out of necessity than anything else. I mean, obviously Fitzgerald has a bad injury. Conor Dean is quite inexperienced at this level. So Jack will get great momentum behind him into the start of next season now with, uh, you know, the get more game time in the jersey. He looked rusty when he came back from Japan, but from the Interpros from Christmas onwards, he was hitting his straps and he looked good. And I can see him relishing the game time now. I can see him firing on all cylinders when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, just as well, I'm making note that Bundy's making his 100th Connacht appearance uh, this Sunday. And by all accounts, he is in the best shape of his life. Uh, I've seen Andy Friend talking about him. He's just under 100 kgs of what seems to be just pure muscle, um, which will be... So, again, and apparently, you know, as Andy Friend described him, he's like a caged animal. He's had five months of not being able to do what he loves to do, which is hit people and play rugby. So, um, looking for a, a pretty good performance from him this weekend. But, uh, Shane, can you give us a prediction then for this game? Because I think it could be pretty tightly contested. But what do you think? Well, I know Joe mentioned his fears earlier that, you know, Connacht could be in the game for 60 minutes and Ulster could pull away. The fact that Ulster need the win or they need one point to secure second spot in their pool, they have more of an immediate focus. They're playing for a semi-final place. Whereas for Connacht, barring a mathematical miracle, they're out of the running. So I think Ulster will be more focused uh, Dan McFarland is definitely aiming for a win in this one because 
the game the following weekend they're playing Leinster and they wouldn't want to be relying on anything from that I can see Ulster pulling away in the last 20 minutes to win it with a couple of tries to spare Joe yeah I'd be on the same thinking um, the suggestion is that the bench might be quite weak this week you know so there's not going to be a lot maybe the, the last 20 minutes is going to be an issue you know because like if 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 Kieran comes off, Kieran will probably play a lot of minutes this week. You know what I mean? Um, Jack, he'll play a lot of minutes as well. Um, Porch will play a lot of minutes because what's left to come on there probably isn't great due to injuries. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let's hope. Look, if if we can get to sixty minutes and it's a very close game, I think it's going to be very good for Connacht. Um, let's maybe not think about the last twenty minutes or over over overlook it. You know, or overthink it. Yeah, I think these two games for Connacht should be really looked at because, as you said, it's pretty much it's possible, but it's not possible at the same time for them to qualify. But it's it's use, it's an opportunity to run out sort of thing. And I agree. I think the the squad depth of Ulster is just going to prove too much. I think in the end, I think Ulster could have a really good team this year if the Madigan thing clicks. If um, you know Cooney's as good as he was and Burns as well, I think they have a a, a really good team this year. I think they could. They could cause some damage in, in, in the semi-finals and potentially finals, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think Ulster's going to have a bit too much. So I think we're all kind of agreed we're going for Leinster, Ulster uh, wins at the weekend. Uh, but who knows? Hopefully we're hopefully we're mistaken, I think, on both games because I think as Connacht uh, fans, we obviously would like to see that. And who doesn't like seeing Leinster lose? Uh, I think we're all agreed on that as well. Uh, when was the last time Leinster lost? <laughs> uh, I think I was about 12. <laughs> <laughs> That was a while ago. Saracens in the Heineken Cup final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The one time they worked, and they probably should have won that. That does feel like years ago. It does, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, lads, look, unless there's anything you says you just want to cover, I think we, we're good. So thanks very much for joining. Uh, also, again, thanks again to Sports News Ireland, Joe, uh, as always. No uh, appreciate it. So make sure to follow the Twitter and also check out the website. Um, you can follow, obviously, the, the Master None podcast on Twitter at none underscore podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram as well, Mastered None, and then you can check out the YouTube channel, which this will be uploaded to. Um, so, look, lads, thanks very much for uh, chatting to us, and we'll chat to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, thanks Stephen. Stephen. Cheers.